podcast from Crew and Mike is, I think it's really cool and um, that is what I wanted to say. Two and a mic. This is my final podcast of 2022. It is fitting that it is in the main dedicated to Margaret Fuller, about whom I shall speak in a moment. Her poem, Meditations, is also not chosen by chance. The last few years have been challenging for everyone and for different reasons. The years ahead will be incrementally more challenging, more difficult and more problematic. We need to find a way to change our collective approaches and find ways of working together better, more effectively, more efficiently, and with greater emphasis on biodiversity and life cycle intransience. I remain hopeful that in the coming years we will make significant steps towards equality and human rights protections around the globe. It is not enough to live as we do in one part of the world, and at the same time have people suffering somewhere else. For these reasons and many more, Meditations was my preferred choice for this year's final Two and a Mic podcast. Happy New Year and see you in 2023. Enjoy. Margaret Fuller, born 1810, died 1850. This poem, Meditations, was written by a woman who is considered to have been America's first feminist. Born in Massachusetts to prominent parents, she had the trappings and access to education that would elude most women for the next 150 years. She had the opportunity to meet with and debate some philosophical heavyweights of the time in Ralph Waldo Emerson and Thomas Carlyle, among others, who collectively became known as the Transcendentalists. In 1840, Fuller and Emerson started the journal The Dial, focused on transcendentalism before joining the New York Tribune under Horace Greeley. In 1845, she published Woman in the Nineteenth Century, which became a feminist classic. She then went to Rome as the Tribune's foreign correspondent in time to embrace the Italian Revolution. While there, she met Marchese Giovanni Ossoli, a lieutenant in the reunification movement. Their son was born in 1949. At the time, she was working on a book recounting the story of the revolution. Upon the failure of the revolt, Italian unification would eventually come to pass with Mazzini, Garibaldi and the Young Italy movement in 1861. Margaret Fuller planned to set sail with her infant son back to America. A few days before their journey, she wrote, I am absurdly fearful and various omens have combined to give me a dark feeling. It seems to me that my future upon earth will soon close. I have a vague expectation of some crisis. I know not what. At sea, aboard the Elizabeth, the captain, Seth Hasty, died of smallpox. 
Her son, Angelo, also contracted it, but recovered. The first mate, now serving as captain, perhaps due to his inexperience, slammed the ship into a sandbar a hundred meters from Fire Island, New York, on July 19, 1950. Most passengers and crew abandoned ship. People came with carts to save belongings, but made no effort to rescue passengers still stranded on the Elizabeth, only 50 yards away. A huge wave took Ossoli overboard. When it had passed, a crewman said he could no longer see Fuller. She had vanished, and so had Angelino. At Emerson's request, Henry David Thoreau travelled to New York to search the shore in hope of finding her. Neither Fuller's body nor that of her husband had washed up onto the beach. Only the body of little Angelina was found. Some clothes belonging to Angelina were found as well as a few letters. Her manuscript on the rise and fall of the 1849 Roman Republic was lost forever. A memorial was erected on the beach at Fire Island in 1901. A cenotaph in Massachusetts to Fuller and Ossoli, and where Angelino is buried, is inscribed as follows. By birth, a child of New England. By adoption, a citizen of Rome. By genius, belonging to the world. Meditations by Margaret Fuller The clouds are marshalling across the sky, leaving their deepest tints upon yon range of soul-alluring hills. The breeze comes softly, laden with tribute that the hundred orchards now in their fullest blossom send in thanks for this refreshing shower. The birds pour forth in heightened melody, the notes of praise they had suspended while God's voice was speaking and his eye flashing down upon his world. I sigh, half charmed, half pain. My sense is living and taking in this freshened beauty tells its pleasure to the mind. The mind replies, and strives to wake the heart in turn, repeating poetic sentiments from many a record which other souls have left when stirred and satisfied by scenes as fair, as fragrant, that the heart sends back a hollow echo to the call of outward things and its once bright companion, who erst would have been answered by a stream of life-fraught treasures thankful to be summoned, can now rouse nothing better than this echo. Unmeaning voice which mocks their softened accents, content thee, beautiful world, and hush, Still busy mind, my heart hath sealed its fountains. To the things of time they shall be oak no more. Too long, too often were they poured forth. 
part have sunk into the desert, part profaned and swollen by bitter waters, mixed by those who feigned. They asked them for refreshment, which turned back have broken and overflowed their former urns. So when ye talk of pleasure, lonely world, and busy mind, ye ne'er again shall move me. To answer ye, though still your calls have power, to jar me through and cause dull aching here, Know so the voice which hailed me from the depths, Of yon dark-bosomed cloud now vanishing, Before the sun ye greet. It touched my centre, the voice of the Eternal, Calling me to feel his other worlds, To feel that if I could deserve a home, I still might find it in other spheres, And bade me not despair, the want of harmony and aching void are terms invented by the men of this, which I may not forget. In former times I loved to see the lightnings flash athwart the stooping heavens. I loved to hear the thunder call to the seas and mountains, for I thought, tis thus man's flashing fancy doth enkiddle the firmament of mind. Tis thus his eloquence calls unto the soul's depths and heights, and still I defied the creature, nor remembered the creator in his works. Ah, now, how different! The proud delight of that keen sympathy is gone, no longer riding on the wave, but whelmed beneath it my own plans and works, or as the scriptures phrase it, my inventions, no longer interpose twist me and heaven. Today, for the first time, I felt the deity and uttered prayer on hearing thunder. This must be thy will, for finer, higher spirits have gone through this same process. Yet I think there was religion in that strong delight. Those sounds, those thoughts of power imparted. True, I did not say, he is the Lord thy God. But I had feeling of his essence. But twas pride by which the angels fell. So be it. But, oh, might I but see a little onward. Father, I cannot be a spirit of power. May I be active as a spirit of love, since thou hast ta'en me from the path which nature seemed to appoint. O deign to open other, where I may walk with thought and hope assured. Lord, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. Had I but faith like that which fired Novalis, I too could bear the heart fall in ashes, while the freed spirit rises from beneath them with heavenward look and phoenix plumes upsoaring. <laughs>